Hi, it's Michael Kerr here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, I interview a fellow small business owner or an expert, and they share their stories, their lived experiences, the wins and the losses, and their best advice to help you, the listener, get the most you can from your own business. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And thanks also to Kerr Capital, supporters of the show. Okay, so welcome to another edition of Small Business Banter Radio. Today's guest, James Garland, and James a director at DGB Group. He'll tell you what DGB Group does, but he's also, he's, he's had a long-standing involvement in fundraising in the not-for-profit area, brand development. Um, he's also got some uh, personal uh, interest in small businesses and investments. Um, what we're going to chat about today is the business of the not-for-profit social enterprise third sector. Um, we're really looking forward to this chat. Welcome in, James. Hey, Michael. How are you going? Excellent. Thanks for calling in from a car somewhere in regional Victoria. <laughs> no problem. I spend a fair bit of time here, so uh, so it's often the car call. Yeah, no, look, it sounds coming through really nicely. So uh, it's great great to have you in. So, uh, I, look, I gave a, a, a really, you know, tight <laughs> description. Do you want to expand a little bit more on your on your professional background and also today where you are with DGB Group? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I came out of university and went into the world of advertising, marketing, um, <clears throat> media sales, working in agencies um, around sort of campaigns, promotions, um, that side of the, the the commercial world. And then I was over in London working in an agency, um, doing live events, um, merchandising, marketing. And one of my clients was a, was a charity and they were involved in um, children's safety or child safety. And I thought, you know, it might be a good thing while I'm away from home and, um, you know, sort of tripping alike fantastic across Europe to, to maybe explore some different things in Korea. And I, uh, I, I took a job that was offered um, as part of a big rollout by the, the UK government around what they call personal social health education for kids about being safe. And um, I just fell in love with it. And I was, I was young at the time. I was in my, sort of my mid-20s. And so like a lot of people get into the, the not-for-profit or for-purpose sector a bit later in life, but it was really early for me. And so um, out of what I thought would be a career in commerce, um, I, I fell into the not-for-profit world really early and I've been there ever since. It's a bit of a calling, was it? Well, I think I, I said to my mum, I remember – uh, she said, "What you know? What are you doing? It sounds really interesting. It's very different. It's not what I thought you'd do. Is it? Is it what you really want to do?" And I said, "Well, I, I'm finding a whole lot more meaning, you know, working with organisations and and you know, engaging my passion and my skills 
in, in things that are changing the world or at least changing the lives of people rather than selling white goods or, or, or something else that, quite frankly, we all love fridge. But, um, but you know, the, I, I really connected with the, the passion of the why, um, why I was doing the work and, you know, came back to Australia, um, took a contract at World Vision, worked at, um, you know, Save the Children, worked at Cancer Research, a whole bunch of different not-for-profits on the inside, um, loved them all and then, you know, Went went outside to the to the consulting side, and um, it's even better. You know, get to work with with a dozen not for profits at any one time to um, again, you know, try and hopefully make the world a better place. Yeah. So so you really yeah, that was you acted on something that came to you in your mid twenties, which is you know it was uh, something that you you couldn't turn away. Um, and working today in DGB across. Uh, with not-for-profits and, and for-purpose businesses, what what is um, exactly does the DGB group do? Yeah, DGB's um, really for guys come out of advertising. Naming your company after the three principal directors is not exactly um, super duper creative, is it? But um, but Dalton Garland Blanchard, um, we're a so we're a really boutique agency. Um, we strictly work with for-purpose organisations, so large and small. Um, some are startups, you know, some of the most exciting stuff in the sector is coming out of not-for-profit startups still. Um, and and we work with those groups specifically that have plans to really transform themselves and the communities that they serve. So we we talk a lot about transformational projects, um, not not so much your um, traditional, you know, tin rattling or, you know, can you give us a gift this time at Christmas so that we can keep the lights on. Um, we work more so on really larger scale, more complex growth projects. Um, and, and our role is to help that organisation build capacity, help them get ready, um, and, and help them carry out the fundraising for those projects. Okay. So yes, and, and bringing that that experience you had in you know in marketing and brand development, you know, to the to this this sector, which I think broadly is called the third sector, incorporating not for profit, social enterprise for purpose. How how, how big is the third sector, if that's the right term, you know, at the moment, it, it um, it's big. Yeah, it's big. It's really big, um, and it's getting bigger. Um, off the back of what we've seen in the last few years, everyone's starting to realise that, you know, our social fabric and the health of other people who are less fortunate, perhaps, than others, actually impacts everybody. Um, you know, we're we're in one big world, and I, I don't think anyone. Um, could state there's been a, a time sort of perhaps more prevalent than now that everyone's really realising that. Um, the th- we don't talk about the third sector much, but you're right, it is it's sort of termed the third sector, the private sector, public sector, and then this sort of not-for-profit voluntary sector. But, um, you know, the, the contribution economically, I think is a, uh, I think Deloitte did a study which was talking over $100 billion in Australia alone is the, is the economic contribution of that sector. But I think the difference with that sector is that the impact is not really about finance um, or economics. It's actually about impact on people and the environment, on the world, on animals, on, on all sorts of things. So um, it, it's interesting that we we are now turning to the needing the world, you know, to be a better place in terms of climate and health and pandemics and poverty. Um, and yet we call this sector the third sector. Maybe it's the third thing that we've really cared about, but um, I don't know, maybe it should be the first sector well, um, because if we don't have a planet to live on, you know, private and public sectors doesn't mean much, does it? There certainly doesn't. Yeah, so it, it's, it probably is an old term, but, it, you know, I was looking for something to, you know, 
to you know collectively describe um, what you do. But it sounds like it's at a pretty exciting stage with um, you know the energy around startups in the social. Would would a lot of those startups be would call themselves social enterprises? And and if yes, can you describe what a social enterprise is and how it operates? Yeah, for sure. Definitely social enterprises. Um, it's more than a buzz. Um, and perhaps I'll come back to that because some of these startups are just, you know, traditional not-for-profits that that someone's got a great idea or they innovate. So um, innovation's a, a really big driver of some of the coolest not-for-profit movements that are coming out. Um, you know, we're, regeneration of, of, um, of environment is big. In fact, environment's a, a real hotbed for innovation. You know, people talking about plastics in the ocean and and, and, and developing technologies that can that can create cleaner worlds. I mean, obviously, some of that sits in biotech and agri agri tech and those sorts of industries. But you know, a, a lot of people do also go, "Hey, we've got a great idea. Instead of commercialising it, we're going to make it a not for profit, and we're going to allow everyone to invest in this and, and kind of own it globally." Um, so, environments are great hotbed um, for that at the moment. But the social enterprises, you know, is is kind of this next step in, um, you know. Not um, not being a, a, stri- a strict not for profit because really you want a social enterprise to make a profit. Um, it's it's there to actually make a profit so it can support you know either its supply chain of you know fair trade coffee or it's or the, the young people that it's giving a job to. Um, so yeah, it's 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 different because it needs to be profitable and it should be profitable. Um, so yeah, it's definitely getting a lot bigger social enterprise, and I think fundamentally. The public wants all companies to have an element of social impact and conscious. And social enterprise is probably the the the, um, the the peak of that, I guess, where all all profits and all outcomes, all impacts go back to that social cause. Yeah, so it's a very clear purpose for for that organisation or that uh, business, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I've 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 certainly had some involvement, you know, advising um, social enterprises. And um, it's kind of what you said about it it has to be a viable or a sustainable business model because otherwise all that energy, all that hope, it can all disappear if you don't have a fundamentally sound financial base. And um, that, yeah, the the social enterprise um, is kind of a blending of business and other objectives and, and measures of success. Correct, yeah. And, and I think you've got to have a values alignment around who starts it, runs it, works in it and carries it forward. Um, I think sometimes social enterprises can be so successful they become brands in their own right. They're, they're, they become really well-known. They become, you know, sought-after entities or businesses. And then, um, you know, your values have got to hold true to say, well, you know, you could almost – Turn it into a, a retail chain. You could commercialise it. It's 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 difficult because really it's the, the function is there um, for what it is a social enterprise. Um, you know the people that are in it have got to kind of well, you'd want them to be committed for the long term for it to remain that that, that social enterprise piece. I think it it, cre- it can create a conundrum for the founders of these things because you know all of a sudden it, it does you know it's so successful it does have value you know for other. Organisations, it's and and that, that's some of the experience I've had with these founders, and, and they, they're they're unsure about how to you know to take it forward, but totally with with uh, the DGB group and the work you do, the 
it's a, it's a you've acknowledged it's a very significant sector. Do they have the same set of issues that for-profit businesses have? In at the end of the day, are they you know struggling under you know finding employees and other you know day-to-day challenges that you know business faces? Yeah, massively, massively. I'd, I'd suggest even more so. Um, in particular, in the in the area of growth of, of business, um, I mean, if you're if you're looking to recruit people under an award for um, for community services or disability, generally um, th- there's hardships in recruiting those people also. But certainly on the side of the work that we do around you know big transformational projects, project management, um, you know we're we're putting a different type of business case together for this for, for any one of these organisations. And, and they need really good, highly skilled people internally who can build relationships, much like, you know, some of your work, Michael, around, around capital and, and advisory. You know, you're dealing with sophisticated people that want to invest in social change. Um, you need some pretty savvy people. And we see a massive shortage of really good, you know, savvy, articulate, um, strong relationship builders in the sector. Um, you know, the, the good ones get snapped up very, very quickly. And Organisations that want to connect with philanthropists, major corporates, you know, big businesses, with government, um, you know, they, they need really good people to be able to build those relationships and you've got to hold those relationships long term. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to get, to get good people in the sector who probably do have to take a bit of a pay cut because most right. not-for-profits are pretty tight. Um, so, yeah, it's so again, it reinforces the need for the – however – Transformational, the cause is, and 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 the energy. It's got to be underpinned by, you know, revenue and 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 capital and profits to be able to survive. Hundred um, percent. On today's episode of Small Business Banter, we're talking with James Garland, who's um, you know, principal or director at DGB Group and a very experienced um, operator in uh, the not-for-profit uh, social enterprise sector. Um, sounds like is, there's some heavy lifting being done by the sector. Uh, is that is that a uh, you know, for for profit businesses aren't seeing or don't want to follow some of these imperatives, uh, and and that's the opening for uh, not for profits and social enterprises to really take on these transformational projects. Yeah, that's an that's an that's an awesome question because it is absolutely. Um, rooted in the in one of the greatest things that the the third sector or that for purpose organisations can do, and they can do what government can't. Um, you know, they can take risks that government can't. Um, private companies are you know are owned fundamentally by their shareholders. Um, they can't necessarily always take the risks that are needed um, to generate social change. So, so the third sector, albeit you know not the largest in terms of economic impact, is one of those places where you can play and you can fail, um, and many do. You know, you, you're trying to alleviate, you know, social issues like um, child trafficking, poverty, and, and stuff like that. I mean, you, you can't you can't roll out a low risk, um, you know, private style business plan to deal with something like that. You know, you're going to need to adapt, and you, you're going to need to find ways to achieve those goals. So, it absolutely and, and people, has this great role. Yeah, and and people who is there a do you need that? That the founder to be totally absorbed, connected, driven by that particular cause to to you know to really seed the business, seed the social yeah, enterprise. Yeah, it's an interesting that's an interesting angle too because a lot of organisations come from a founder's passion, um, 
And then over a period of time, what that organisation will need will be much more than that founder can give because they're one person. You know, you'll need, like in any business, you'll need a multidisciplinary approach to uh, how you're going to tackle the the root cause. So there have been great people that have um, started their own foundations, and um, and people be aware of them. Famous athletes, um, have, you know, started foundations dedicated to you know specific issues. Kathy Freeman has done a huge amount of work for Indigenous kids and. Um, and, and communities and is, is super passionate about that. Um, lots of these organisations start with a small number of founders, but as they gather steam, like, like any commercial business, they need a really good, strong, well-rounded team to be able to, um, I guess, scale for impact. Yeah, it's, it's, it parallels exactly, you know, what happens, you know, these in startups, you know. And, Correct, you know, yeah. You, you need that, you know, somebody or a team of people to see – the opportunity, make it happen. It's got some, you know, shortcomings, and and then a, you know, it's a cycle where some, a, a, like a management team or a you know a more you know broadly experienced team comes in. Um, it, the um, one of the things that I you know was was exposed to in my work in you know, with social enterprise was there's only so much money to go around from benefactors and from foundations and from government, so. The imperative was find your own revenue streams, which is uh, I think the UK has been pretty innovative in uh, building and fostering the social enterprise sector. It seems like what you do with with your clients is also taking them to the next level in terms of raising the money they need to deliver the transformational change. Yeah, we we talk a lot about. Um a lot of not-for-profits and we've all been to the black tie ball or to the, you know, to the, the luncheon or, um, or or had something arrive in the mailbox saying, hey, we're a needy charity too, can you support us? Um, and, there, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that a lot of organisations engage in in order to try and keep those lights on and it's all really valued. It's already really valuable investment. Um, we probably look at, at more sophisticated approaches Similar to any business or a startup or an organisation looking to raise capital, um, we work with a lot of sophisticated investors, people that are that are you know real philanthropists themselves, and look uh, look at how they invest their money in in not for profits. We work with the government, obviously, who have got a mandate across a lot of these issues to you know either be supportive or or help drive. Um, and of course, big corporates, um, you know, the big big retailers and others, they do some absolutely fantastic work. As to the banks, um, probably a lot of the time, you know, we hang it on the banks and and, and big retail and, and, and other groups like that, thinking that they're, you know, they're, they're just in it, you know, making money, making money. But you know, we've seen, you know, some of our clients in the in the last two or three years, you know, multi million dollar contributions to not for profits from these big corporates, not not just pocket change, but absolutely transformational support um, for for different projects, and they're not they're not. Some of them aren't heavily publicised at all. It's just that organisation um, believing in in something that's you know it's aligned with their mission and they invest accordingly. So, yeah, we we work on those, those larger scale projects that really do require um, you know multiples of millions, but but the but the impact will be really significant. And that takes time. Like all good things, you've got to do planning. You, you need strong budgets. You need to you know ask yourself all the questions that someone else would ask. Um, it's not not certainly not as simple as um, as shaking the tin in the street, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and it's next level, I suppose. But I think the future for 
the social enterprise for purpose sector is pretty bright because there's a lot of there's a lot of problems and challenges that and they're more you know possibly more exposed than ever so it's that energy to for people to take something on is incredible it, it's it's really mm. wonderful to see somebody connect and and there's a lot you know at the smaller end i think there are a lot of um really incredibly valuable work being done by small micro social enterprises where someone's attached to a cause and they've created themselves a job while also supporting the cause. Yeah, there seems to be a, a host of problems. Uh, pretty, You see the, the sector outlook pretty strong and bright. Yeah, and I think that we're going to see slightly new models too. There's a, there's a social enterprise group um, organisation forming, which I'm a part of um, in a voluntary capacity. And traditionally, we've seen, um, we've seen this move to this sort of not necessarily B Corp, but more central, more social enterprise where people are, start a cafe and they, they source, you know, they source all of their products ethically. You know, they employ people with, with disadvantage. And so at every step of their supply chain, they're, they're, they're engaged in social impact, impact. That's great as a standalone business. I think, I think the next evolution of social enterprise will be, um, will be broadening that so that social enterprise isn't just hospitality driven or, or cleaning or, or some of those things where where there's a logical fit, um, it'll be it'll be really great when we have you know real social enterprise across financial sectors, across potentially resources and um, and other services, so that you know it, it can be seen as an actual business model for for all sectors. It does it does tend to be a bit pigeonholed at the moment, but you know I mean you know we, we don't have as far as I know really any social enterprise real estate agency chains or. Um, or, or car dealerships, um, there's space for um, there's space for this model to play everywhere. So I think there's still a huge amount of growth and scope for it. What's the cap on that, James? Is it just um, being brave to take on some of those much bigger businesses in bigger industries, or is it um, capital? Or yeah, it's a good question. It, it could be it could be all of the above. There, I mean, we we have a pure shareholder financial return model traditionally for yeah. for any business or directorship or ownership um three monthly reporting and bottom line bottom line that's right and more more of the single bottom line than the triple bottom line and then versus social impact in a fairer society now um th- there's some really really great um there's some really really great intent out there but you know we we've all got to want to change the world and have that f- fairer society and and that's going to have to come at the cost of hard profits at some point, um, but but uh, again, there's there's still a lot of hope because people that have that have had success or intergenerational wealth um, are more attuned to social need than ever before, like ever before, and we see that. So these we we call these people they're sophisticated philanthropists. They are they're looking at opportunities for this change to be made, and they're not necessarily wanting anything in return. Um, some are underwriting. Some will invest in a social enterprise. Some will just gift philanthropically. But there's some absolutely wonderful people out there who are really putting their money out as you know as gifting seed funding contributions to to real game changing projects. Um, and I think that's where the magic might happen, Michael, where you get those really savvy people saying, "Listen, I'm fine financially. I don't want for anything. That's a great idea. I'm just going to back it, and I'm just going to back it because." Um, and, and so there is, there is a lot of that out there, but again, in order to present those cases and in order to excite those people and align their passion, um, with that, with an area of social cause that, that floats their boat, 
um, it takes time and, and you've got to you got to really tip into that into that what we call a case for support which is fundamentally a business case for the for the for purpose yeah there's got to be more effort doesn't it because you know anybody that's prof- got a profile and is um, well off I- I'm sure they get approaches all the time and and so yeah. you know for anybody yes they you know there'd be individuals and companies around but they they're going to have their own uh, processes you know to use a boring term but you know, to select who who they're going to support and why you got any totally. you got any tips for uh, you know the the next generation of business owners maybe they're in school now or just out of school you know in terms of encouraging them into the sector as i said i sort of fell into it early on but there's a lot you can there's a lot you can learn from the sector too at an early age. Um, in this in this day and age where we're rightly so looking at greater diversity on our boards and in governance, um, you know we want youth representation because everyone understands that young people have a different viewpoint on the on the future. You know, young people like you and I, Michael, and <laughs> and, and others, um, but, but even younger than us, young um, at heart, getting that's exactly right. Not, yeah, but getting involved, getting involved in. Um, in, in community activities is highly rewarding for self. Um, we, we often talk about, you know, we talk about how you can get involved, what you can do, but it's almost the, the giving to others has, has been shown that it, especially modern days, and I'll bore you with a bit of, you know, MRI sort of um, health sciences on philanthropy, but it triggers the brain and lights the brain up when you give and you're involved and you, and you give selflessly and you're engaged in things above and beyond your own self. Um, and so, you know, I'd encourage people to get engaged with with the sector, you know, with the altruistic, you know, if we can call it the the, the giving sector, um, not just for what you might learn and who you might connect with it on on, on boards or in in projects, um, and obviously just to do really good stuff in the community, but but do it for yourself. Um, you know, in a day of a day of mental um, or the days of mental health being such a high agenda issue. Um, it's incredible the, the the goodwill and the and the feeling that that you get, and and people who are pretty much full time philanthropists now will say, you know, the work that I do now is just so much more rewarding than anything I ever did commercially because it gives me a sense of self. Yeah, look, um, it's excellent advice. It's a great, unfortunately, a great way to leave the the our time today, James. But um, I, I think that message is get involved in in something, and it's um, it's almost wired into you that you'll you know there's lots of ways you're going to benefit um, and contribute. James Garland from DGB Group, thank you very much for your time today. It's a pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me. So that is all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. I continue to be inspired, bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. If you want to listen to any past episode, jump onto your podcast platform of choice and search Small Business Banter. There you will find a diverse and fascinating collection of small business owners and experts openly discussing and sharing their experiences. For any of the links, resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact me, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And it would be great to have you tune in the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.